0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omer Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. This week's interview is a story about a college student who was wasting too much time on Facebook. He realized that he needed a solution to reduce the daily distractions and help him focus so he built a simple tool in a couple of hours which did the job he also shared the tool with a few people and it just took off from there a year later with zero marketing he had there's a world where your crm is powerful easily configured and deeply intuitive Atio makes that a reality Atio is built specifically for the next generation of companies it syncs with your data sources easily configures to their unique structures and works for any go to market motion from self serve to sales led atio automatically enriches your contacts syncs your emails and calendar gives you powerful reports and lets you quickly build zapier style automations the next generation of companies deserve more than an inflexible one size fits all crm join eleven labs replicate modal and more and scale your startup to the next level get your free account at atio.com that's a ttio.com. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? to download your free copy and unlock faster growth for your SaaS business. That's thesastoolkit.com. Over half a million users just through word of mouth. When he started getting multiple feature requests every day from users and people offering him money to add features, he knew he was onto a great business opportunity. So he took a week to improve the product, set up a website with the PayPal button. Today, his little tool has turned into a business doing over a million dollars a year. Again, it's a great story, great interview. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of 80% Solutions, the company which builds the innovative productivity software Freedom. Freedom helps you to get more focused and improve your productivity by blocking access to websites, social media, and apps. The product is used by over 450,000 people and its users report gaining an average of two and a half hours of productive time each day. Freedom was founded in 2011 and was bootstrapped for the first four years. And the product has been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, and many other publications. Previously, my guest was a co- co-founder of claimid.com and a technology researcher at UNC Chapel Hill and Carnegie Mellon University. He holds a PhD in information science and is currently adjunct professor at UNC's School of Information and Library Science, where he teaches courses about privacy and social media. So today I'd like to welcome Fred Stutzman. Fred, welcome to the show. Homer, thank you for having me. Now, I always like to break the ice by figuring out what what drives my guests, what gets them out of bed. So, what is it for you? How what what drives you to work on your business every day?
1: It's well, it's it's a couple of things. Um, certainly, uh, the team that I have working with me. Um, you know, to, to know every day that you're going to be working with a bunch of great people, um, just as exciting and motivating. Um, and, and knowing that we are working together to make a positive impact on people's lives, you know, that is, that is, you know, goal in and of itself of having this company. And so, you know, just knowing that we are making that positive change in people's lives is absolutely motivating for me.
0: Yeah. I love that. There was a, I can't remember where I saw this, but somewhere, I think it said that you'd helped your users reclaim like ten million hours in the last year. Yeah. It's like, yeah, wow, absolutely.
1: That's- yeah, it's pretty amazing when you start running the numbers at scale. Um, you know the 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 change of taking a little bit of time away from distractions to really focus it it absolutely adds up. And you know we, we hear that just again and again from people. So that is, I mean, it really is motivating. Like, you know, there's a a lot of reasons to start businesses, um, and there's a lot of reasons to develop software. But I've always been, and I know it's a complete cliche, but I've always been motivated to develop software that has positive change in people's lives, and you know, it it will keep you going through the ups and downs of a startup.
0: Now, before we talk about freedom, the the app, uh, I want to talk about your your company, Eighty Percent Solutions. So first question is, why is it called 80% instead of
1: 100%? Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's kind of the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle. It's, the, it's, this, it's this kind of maxim that says um, a lot of outcomes are explained by a little amount of variance. So what we, um, what I noticed with Freedom uh, when I was building the first versions of the software is, you know, you make a small change turning off the internet can have really really big and positive profound impacts on people's lives um and and it isn't perfect you know like if you ask people um how do you want to be productive they might give you a whole litany of you know i want to turn off this 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 and this and i want to you know have uh, software that does this for me Um, what i really took from the very first version of our app which really did nothing more than turn off the internet for like 45 minutes, is that simple act just had such this profound change. And it wasn't a hundred percent solution because, you know, there's a lot of people who had more complicated use cases there. But if you gave people this like pretty good solution, you could get really great results. And I think that's kind of a pattern that we continue to build into our software is that, you know, we can't be all things to all people, but you know, you take away or you Block or restrict the most important sites that are distracting to you. Um, yes, there are other distracting sites out there or something along those lines, but you're gonna have such a positive impact. So it's those little changes um, that we kind of build as a design pattern that have really big effects. So that's where the name came from. And I've had to explain that to um, thousands of people. And so, hmm. you know, it's an esoteric name choice, maybe not the best one. Um, so entrepreneurs, you know, <laughs> it may be better to just be clear, but you know, th- that's the logic behind it.
0: Yeah, well, I'm a big 80-20 fan. So I, I it I kind of guessed fairly quickly that it was something yeah. to do with that, but I wanted to ask the question anyway. <laughs>
1: Yeah. For the people who get it, it's like, you know, we, we immediately connect and, um, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So for people who aren't familiar with Freedom, can you sort of give them a, a, a description of what the product does, how it works? Um, and basically who, who are your target customers?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So um, we help people be more productive by blocking distractions. Um, and that's that's pretty much as simple as it gets. Um, we make a software product that works across all your devices. So Mac, Windows, iOS, we have an Android partner, um, browser extensions, uh, all those things that you interact with on a daily basis from your sort of technology stack. We, we make products that allow you to choose um, when you're going to be able to be distracted by that stuff. And your distractions can be anything from social media to email, to news, to sports, I mean, what have you. Everybody's got a distraction. Everybody's got something that is competing for their attention. And we just make it super simple for you to turn that off when you want to focus. And so our target customer are people who need to do focused work, which thankfully is like almost everybody, but um, you know, we really go after people who are in the knowledge worker space, people who are creatives, students, um, professionals of all types, accountants, attorneys, lawyers, um, and uh, anybody who realizes that their time is valuable. Uh, and that's really what it boils down to, because when you sit down at your computer to get stuff done, you've got all these things that are competing for your attention, everything from like, you know, notifications from Facebook to the endless stack of emails from your friends and coworkers. And, um, having all of that competing for your attention just makes you less productive. It's scientific, it's validated. Um, we didn't do that research. Other people did that research. Uh, it's absolutely the case. And so the more that you can kind of turn off the noise and, and and not be able to go and check, you know, it's like, it's having having it turned off for you so that you're just gonna be able to focus and think only about the, your work at hand is incredibly powerful. So that's what we do, um, and a couple years ago, people would say, that's a crazy idea, but I think as we um, just see where technology is evolving and see just how high fidelity distractions are and just how sort of constant they are, um, We make it easy for people to sort of get in that work state where there are no distractions. And, you know, once you've done that and experienced it, it's just so powerful. So that's that's what we do in a nutshell.
0: So from a technical perspective, what what's going on under the hood? Like, can you kind of give us a brief Mm -hmm. description of that?
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not too different from um, a parental monitoring program that would be doing content filtering. Um, you know, you would say, I don't want my kids to get on YouTube. Um, you're sort of saying, I don't want to get on YouTube. Now, the, the key difference between freedom and a parental monitoring program is you're turning it on for yourself versus, you know, you're turning it on for your kids. And so w- what we do is we have some hooks that make it you know, quite difficult for you to disable or escape for that from, from, you know, when you make a commitment to being away from YouTube for 45 minutes or away from all distractions for 45 minutes, we make it uh, very um, tough for you to escape that. Um, And of course we have some options where you can run it where you can't escape. So if you need to get back to your email, you can, but we allow people to kind of choose what level of, um, restriction they want to have and it's so it's not it's not different from that at all we do all the blocking locally on your computer or on your phone so it you know doesn't go to the cloud there's no privacy implications Um, we've tried to keep it real tight and secure uh, but really it's it's a content filter not too much unlike any of the software that you would use to filter your kids internet connectivity
0: now at the basic level you can enable it for a certain amount of time and then if you need to get out of that there's a way to get out of that if you need to mm-hmm. uh, but there's also a you, you also have a locked mode right maybe for people like me who who need a little bit more discipline sometimes
1: absolutely so when you're when you're setting up your schedules or you're turning on a session you can choose, how restrictive you want it to be. And locked mode is very power, is very powerful, it's very popular, and it is um, really tough. So if you turn a session on with locked mode, yeah, you are not going to escape. Um, you know, you're gonna be offline until uh, the timer runs out. Um, you're gonna be locked away from Facebook or YouTube until the timer runs out. And you can reboot your computer, you can try and quit the software, but it's gonna, it's gonna keep you on task. And so, you know, this is for people who just don't want to even have to think about distractions. They're going to be able to work completely at peace knowing that, okay, that stuff is away. I can't even be tempted by it. The software is taken care of for me, so I'm just going to get work done. And that's, that's the purpose that serves. I know. I realize that's not for everybody. So you can choose the strength of your session before you set it. But you know, once you've set it and your session has started, you're locked in. You've made a commitment to yourself, and that that's really powerful as well. I mean, being able to kind of set up and make a commitment, uh, you're, you're, I think it enhances productivity. You know, you 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 don't want to let yourself down you want to hit that 30 minutes or an hour or two hours of time away from social. Uh, so we help you do that. But at the end of the the two hours, you can feel really good about sort of knowing that you took that time away. Um, the software helped, but you, you did the work and you got your work done.
0: So where did the idea come from? How, How did you come up with the idea for freedom?
1: So uh, the origin story of freedom goes back to when I was in graduate school and I was studying social media. My uh, my dissertation work, I, I studied information science and human computer interaction. I was interested in how people use technology and the social impacts of technology. And when I was in graduate school, it was um, the very early days of this piece of software called Facebook that um, nobody had heard about. I was studying it, studying college students using it. And I I would, these numbers, you know, the utilization of the software, how much time they were spending on it, it was, it was incredible, just, um, it was a phenomenon kind of unlike anything we'd seen. So studying the software, I started using it, you know, as graduate school sort of uh, uh, continued, Facebook got more popular. And um, I was realizing, well, I'm I'm able to sort of claim Facebook as research time, but really, I'm kind of wasting a lot of time here as well. So I started going to uh, a cafe, to work and the cafe didn't have, uh, wireless. And this was before, you know, everybody's phone was like LTE and, uh, internet was everywhere. Uh, so I was like, okay, this is great. This is a great way for me to get work done. I'm just away from connectivity. I'm away from distractions. And I got a lot of my dissertation work done that way. And then one day that coffee shop opened up a wi uh, node and, you know, all of a sudden my productivity started tanking. (laughs) So I I basically said, well, if, if we're never going to be able to escape connectivity, then you know, what can we do about this? And uh, being a you know a software engineer, uh, I said, okay, well, maybe I can build some software to solve this problem. And I built the first version of Freedom, you know, in about an hour, and all it did was, you know, you pressed a button and it turned off your internet for I think it was 45 minutes, and you were pretty much locked you know, you're locked away. And I started using it, and it made a pretty positive impact in my life. And, I, you know, I knew, I knew how to escape it, too. But I, I found that, like, once I committed to being offline, I I followed through, and I got my work done. And I said, wow, there's something really kind of powerful and positive going on here. So I started, you know, I, I, I shared it with some people, and it just kind of took off from there. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was literally just you know, in, me in a coffee shop <laughs> thinking about how how do I solve this problem that I think is only going to become a bigger and bigger problem. Um, and, uh, you know, here we are all these years later.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the, the wireless thing is awesome to be able to have that connectivity everywhere, but it's also a pain. And, you know, I've, be, I've been in situations, and, you know, I'm not embarrassed to admit this, where I've gone to a coffee shop and, and I've spent 15 or 20 minutes trying to get connected to the Wi-Fi and I wasn't even sure what I needed to be connected for, but I was like, like I should be connected, right? Yeah, and so the absolutely. amount of time you waste just getting connected and then once you're there, obviously you're going to start, if you're not disciplined, it's very easy to start looking at things that probably um, you know, aren't relevant to what you're trying to do right then.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, when you think about the, the type of, messages or kind of the obligation, the moment, the moment you get back online, you know, you're, you're now connected and, and be, you're reachable. All these people who may be emailing you or sending you messages or, you know, what have you. And it just puts you in a, in this completely different state than when you're really offline, you're really just, you know, it's just you and your work. And um, I love that story about the spending 15 minutes trying to get connected. Cause I have done that I've completely done that as well. It's like, I I mean, there's a Wi-Fi here. I should figure out how to get connected. And then like, you know, 10 minutes later, you're signing up for some, you know, coffee shop Wi-Fi service. Yeah,
0: it's
1: (laughs) a colossal waste of time.
0: So you built the first product, you said in an hour, but it was, you weren't, presumably you weren't thinking about a product at that time. You were just thinking about something that would help you get the job done. So at what point did it become a product for you.
1: Yeah, that was that was a couple of years. Um uh let's see. Kind of how it worked is I made the first version. I think I put it on my academic webpage. I put a link to it. I think I sent a tweet about it and um and it just kind of took off completely organically and virally from there. Um I think within the first year, we had a half million, you know, I was able to kind of look at my logs and figure out a half million people had downloaded the software, um, and it had been written about, and it was literally just this, you know, this little app that, you know, I had made, um, and I made lots of little apps. So, you know, I wasn't thinking too much about it in terms of a product when the the, the change when my thinking started changing around that was when I would get feature request emails. And at first I would get, you know, one a week and then it just kind of built until, you know, I'm getting like multiple emails a day from people and people offering to pay me to like make the software do this. And I said, okay, this is getting kind of crazy. So I need to either uh, invest some time into this and see what I can do with it. Or I don't know what. So I actually talked with my um, my graduate advisor at the time. I was still in graduate school. I said, "Hey, you know, I've got this kind of thing going on. Um, what do you think about me just taking a week and um, building a more robust version of this and uh, spending some time on that and seeing, you know, what I can what I can do with that?" And he was okay with it. He thought it was an interesting idea. And so I took a week. I built a, you know some new versions of the product create a website and threw a PayPal link on there, uh, to take donations. And, uh, very quickly, um, that turned into a a business where I was, um, uh, I said, okay, well, if I'm gonna start taking donations and I'm, I'm gonna actually just start charging for the product because at that point in time, people said, well, if you're taking donations, you should support it. And okay, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna charge for the product. And, um, so those more robust versions, I, Started, I started selling those, and um, you know they continued to grow organically.
0: So you did no marketing; it was just word of mouth.
1: No, it was yeah, it was completely word of mouth. I never, I never did any marketing in a traditional sense. Um, uh, a little bit later kind of after the product had been out for a while, maybe 2012, I, I put like at the end of your session, you could, um, tweet about your session, which, you know, is ironic, but people would do it. Uh, and I think maybe that helped a little bit, but for the most part, I, the way this thing grew is people would tell each other about it at their dinner parties, you know, i or, or they would read about it and somebody would, you know, we were popular with the writers. So, you know, writers love to write. So you would get written about and covered. Um, but we never did any, I never did any, you know, marketing of a traditional sense. No.
0: So at what point, um, did you sort of see this as a bigger opportunity and, and how did you sort of start building out that team that you talked about?
1: Part of it was just looking at the numbers. So I was looking at, not exponential growth, but really strong growth and, you know, could kind of, could kind of forecast out and say, okay, well, <laughs> and I, I had, at that point had gotten a full-time job. I was, um, either at, I was at Carnegie Mellon as a postdoc. Uh, and, uh, that's a very intense job. And I was doing faculty interviews, uh, for tenure track teaching positions, um, so I had this kind of interesting, I don't know if it was a crisis, but I had, I had um, really enjoyed my time in academia and I really enjoyed being a researcher, but I was not, I was not feeling like um, going on the tenure track was the right path for me. Uh, I just, it just, everything in my body was saying, this is not the right thing. I tried it and I, I really, I didn't like it. So that created the the sort of questions around what next. So am I going to join a large technology company and sort of do research in in one of those companies or, or, you know, what, you know, and and like, yeah, I had to do some soul searching. And at the same point, I had this, this idea that I was pretty interested and excited about, that was starting to take off. And I had done a little bit of entrepreneurship before i had started one other company that we never really tried to monetize. But you know, I had been, I'd been through that process before in terms of building out a company. And I said, okay, well, um, you know, the, the numbers kind of work that I will eventually be able to quit my job and support my family. And, um, and I think there's a lot more we can do here because we're only, you know, we're only, uh, addressing like the, the tip of the iceberg of the problem here. And, um, and I had also kind of run out of like my ramp as a software developer, like I'm, I'm okay, but professional software developers are a lot better than me. So I said, well, you know, with a team, um, with the right people on board, like we could turn this into something pretty exciting. And so that started the, the process in motion where I did eventually decide to go on that route. I, I quit my job and started working on the product full time. I went into a ink, well, I went into an accelerator. So the, the the university in the town had just created this uh, incubator accelerator uh, to kind of help companies get started. That was a huge move for me because I went in there really not knowing much about taking companies to the next level I was able to work with people who were able to help me with that um, and start building out the team and that was that was really the transition point where we put together the roadmap for the company Uh, we won some uh, we won a competitive grant to uh, allow us to uh, to um, make a hire or two and um and then really start building out the vision for the product um and uh you know as from from there, it was okay. We, we start building it. We start seeing good things. Um, investors uh, started, you know, being interested in what we were doing, uh, and um, you know, it was it it, it was a, it's a little bit of a you know thinking back to that time. It was a little bit of a blur, but you know, we I was able to start growing the team and um and and building out this product and to the eventual point of you know building a team. Uh, raising some money and, um, you know, eventually launching the product in 2015, the the next generation of freedom. So what's the size of your team currently? So there's eight of us who work on the product right now, um, and we're trying to hire two more.
0: Have you started doing any marketing or is it still growing organically for you?
1: Definitely, definitely. So um, we have have, uh, two great marketers on our team now. And how we think about marketing uh, is still very much informed by how the company started and grew. So organic um, media coverage, social is still a huge, huge driver for us. Um, but in terms of marketing, we, we think of a couple things. One is partnerships. Um, who can we partner with that makes sense for our customers and our funnel? Um, And so we've done a lot of work building partnerships with other productivity tools and even other uh, tools that are, you know, direct competitors of ours who may not be monetizing their products. Um, We also just like to uh, sort of validate through putting out good content. Um, You know, we see the vision of freedom is more than just, you know, let's turn things off. It's, you know, we've got a voice and we've got some thoughts around, you know, how technology should be developed. And so we certainly do a lot of our own content production and, you know, partner and support things like the Time Well Spent movement uh, that, um, you know, are pushing for more just and equitable and and technology that respects respects our attention and really respects people. and uh, you know we we do some uh, you know we we do our, our our marketing tests in terms of we do A/B testing and funnel testing, um, looking at how we can better engage with people who are customers who are in our funnel, um, and and a lot of that is just trying to get people to understand how to use the product and how to how to best take advantage of the product, um, but you know at this point we're we're not a big you know uh, paid search or. Um, facebook advertiser that stuff doesn't work as well for us as the organic and and the word of mouth and so um you know we have we certainly are using you know that that is all part of the marketing toolkit um but we're we're probably not using the standard
0: how do you do how do you do a partnership with a a direct competitor like how does that work yeah
1: it's i mean it's interesting so our space is full of people and, and products that, that resemble what my company was, you know, five years ago. So somebody who thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to solve this problem and I'm going to, you know, make a little piece of software and um, it, it gets popular. Um, and then all of a sudden this person is now supporting a large user base. They're most likely not monetizing on it. And they're, um, they, but they still want to, they, they want to have positive outcomes, whether, you know, it's making a little bit of money or, you know, developing a good piece of software. So what we do is we'll go out and partner with them. We'll say, okay. And, and basically just do affiliate partnerships where, um, you, Build your product out, make it great, make it wonderful. How can we help? You know, how can we integrate and support you? Um, but we'd love. We think your customers would would also like to see. Oh, you know, um, you've got a great Chrome plugin, but we can block on um, across all browsers. We can block on, you know, your phone and tablet. Um, we've got more advanced functionality. This is a great upsell for them. So that's kind of how it works. You know, it's 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 almost like treating those competitors. And and I say competitors. It's we're not talking really one to one competitors. Like these are uh, small kind of um, you know mom and pop apps that have uh, been been uh, successful in a segment, but they're you know they're not monetizing and they don't have sort of the powerful features that our product has. But you know their customers are a great fit for for our product, and so we will partner and do affiliate uh, deals with them.
0: The you said these aren't one to one sort of direct competitors. But you also told me that initially you built the first version of the product in an hour for yourself. And I'm sure yeah. over the years, the product has got a lot more sophisticated and a lot more robust. But how, how do you deal with sort of copycat products and people mm. trying to come to market with something very similar? do you spend a lot of time looking at that and tracking what's going on? Or is that just not something you'd spend a lot of time or energy on?
1: It's not something we spend a lot of time and energy on. I think kind of going back to like some advice I got pretty early on in my entrepreneurial career, which is like, you know, you've got to just pick the things you want to focus on and, um, And I know a lot of people who are getting started in entrepreneurship do focus on competitors and, you know, get really anxious about, you know, somebody's entered the space. Um, I guess I've been doing this long enough and I've seen competitors to to the point where I've seen competitors come and go. I mean, I've seen people come and enter the market with like, you know, a really robust uh, technical vision and you know, t- to make it work is—it's it, easy to put on a pitch deck. It is extremely hard to execute. The—the um, the technology behind the scenes, we try and make it as easy as possible for our users, but the technology behind the scenes is um, even more complicated than I would like. I mean, it is extremely complicated. So, um, you know, if somebody did come in and you know um, and tried to replicate this, they would—you um, know—I would—I would have to—you know—tip my hat to them. It would just be kind of replicating work, but um, it would be a lot of work to do. That being said, um, you know we do keep an eye on who's out there, who's doing what. But our goal, you know, when we when we design our product and we think about, okay, what are the features we're going to roll in? What what's our goal on the roadmap? It's it's totally driven by our customers. Um, and making them happy and that's something that uh, every day you know we we hear from our customers you know we do hear good feedback but we also get the feedback of like here's here's what we need and we've been able to boil that down into something that's pretty cohesive so we focus entirely on that and kind of know that if we hit if we hit that if we make our customers happy if we keep our satisfaction up then we're going to be viable and sustainable and um and And you know, I mean, I think that's the risk of doing, you know, being in any business is there are going to be people who are going to compete in. Um, We, I think, we're lucky enough to be in a marketplace that is so potentially big that even if there were some really good competitors of ours, you know, the market would support it. Um, There's just so many people struggling with this problem that, um, you know, it would be great to be the only solution for them, but. Um, you know it's it's potentially rational to say having a few in the marketplace is a good thing because um, you know from the standpoint of a customer getting their needs met but also for us to look and see you know what's working and what's not working and if we were the only person you know innovating or working in this space that might you know that might be kind of hard and challenging so um, and and you know being in this space, the people who build, for the most part. I mean, there are some people who are just like straight up copycats trying to I mean they like even steal our copy from our homepage. Um, but <laughs> like the it. people that are yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting. Um, but the people who are trying to innovate in this space, we absolutely make a point of becoming friends with them. Like they are absolutely the people that we want to network with and um and engage with. And if they have a competitive product, that is totally fine. We but we wanna we wanna be around more people. Who, um, you know, are thinking about how to solve this problem?
0: Yeah, I think some of the most successful entrepreneurs that I've met have this mind, this sort of growth mindset in in terms of, you know, it's not like there's a fixed pie and if you take something, you're taking away from somebody else, but that the pie can continue to grow and there's plenty of opportunity there. For their business as well as competitors, and that's completely fine with them.
1: I the, exactly, and that's. I mean, we've we've seen that. We've seen it in our data. So you know, I feel I'm very comfortable there. Yeah.
0: So one thing I'm curious about is it's clear from 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 listening to you that you you've strived to take a lot of complexity and really present it in a very simple way, and you kind of made the comparison with parental control software. And as a parent, I've gone through a long list of parental control software and there are so many issues. I still haven't found something that Mm -hmm. actually works well. And some of it is kind of around understanding the scenarios where I sometimes wonder, are the people who are building this product parents themselves? Because they're not necessarily sort of thinking about that um, as deeply as I think it needs to be. And in other cases, it's just the technology doesn't necessarily always do a great job with doing what it's supposed to do. And, you know, a very simple example, with my kids, I have parental control software and and I've used, you know, on the Mac, the built-in parental controls. I've used third-party software. And the other day I found my son playing minecraft and i was like i'm pretty sure that you've been on there a lot longer than you're supposed to and he had figured out that if he put the minecraft app into full screen um, the parental control software wasn't actually doing a good job at tracking what was going on so it was just letting him play Mm -hmm. like endlessly um yeah yeah so so i think that you know, I, I sort of look at that and say, okay, well, they need to have this. They need to have this to really make it. First of all, make sure you do the basics well. If you're if you if you're blocking an app or you're blocking a website, make sure you're actually blocking it. And if you're putting in time mm-hmm. restrictions, make sure they work. But then as I start to think about, well, here's what I need to be now. I've got two kids to think about. I need this scenario result. And so I'm sure you also are in that situation where you're getting people who are discovering the product. They start using it. And then you get a barrage of feature requests and, mm-hmm. and, and the 100 things they really need in freedom for mm-hmm. it to be the perfect product mm-hmm. for them. And there's this becomes mm-hmm. this, this tension between f- keeping focused on what really matters and, and driving towards simplicity versus turning it into a product with a gazillion features that really doesn't, do any one thing well. So how, how do you deal with that? And is that, first of all, is that an issue for you as well in terms of people asking for more and more in there? And and if so, then how do you deal with that?
1: Absolutely. I, I almost think you've been reading our uh, customer support queue because uh, it's very much <laughs> like that, you know, and, and uh, I love the, I love the emails. I mean, our product is not expensive. A lot of parental programs are, you know, even arbitrarily expensive. Our product, we try and keep it uh, fairly low priced, Uh, and you get the emails from customers, you know, if you add these seven features, I will become a subscriber. It's like, okay, well, but no, we, we do get that quite a bit. Um, and, uh, and we do take all the feedback and to the point where we've heard a lot of it over and over again. Um, and how we, how we think about it is, uh, it kind of goes back to our, our core user. So, um, We know we can't. We're we're not a big company that can be all things to all people. We know the limits of our our, um, just our capacity, Uh, and so what we focus on is you know addressing the the core user that knowledge worker who just needs to sit down at their computer and you know not be distracted by their phone and um and just get get you know get a couple hours of work done um, we focus in on that customer because there's lots of those customers and um, they're they're the the ones that we we know and choose to support and focus on and so um, a lot of our work is aligned around hitting that persona and we know that there are lots of other types of customers that we could hit yes we could build an enterprise version yes we can make this for parents and and parents do use our product and um but yeah you also like get the you know, here's the 10 things i need kind of feedback from parents because i know how complicated that marketplace is um and and the solutions are um, but we're, we're just kind of going with this is you know we, we've the, the question about simplicity is interesting so a lot of our work Actually goes on behind the scenes in making the products more robust, so you don't have to think about or run into the edge cases where it's not working, or you know you've got a VPN on and uh, it's getting around the software. Like we we. Um, we try not to introduce too much complexity into the UI. Um, we just try and build the product so it can kind of handle everything for you, and um, that that gets us to a really robust place. Where I think you know, if we hit those goals, um, uh, having a very robust, you know, well-working product, then we can probably and potentially jump into other markets or start exploring other markets. But um, you know, we're, we're a small team. We know the limits of our size. We we know our core customer. You know, we're not an enterprise company. We are, we have no background. I mean, a bunch of us are parents, but like, I no way call myself an expert on the parental space, you know? Um, and so we focus on what we're good at. And, and you know, to a degree where, you know, when we do our roadmap meetings, we say, does this is this moving us forward in the right direction? You know, we have lots of ideas, but we're just gonna focus in kind of laser focused on getting, um, getting that product done. And it's, a, it's always a work in progress because, you know, it's not just, um, rolling in new features. It's the fact that the operating systems are you know constantly changing underneath the software, the, um, you know, the, and the distractions are changing as well. So it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, you know, kind of always hitting a moving target and, and it's very technically challenging, but um, that's, you know, we, we, we try and at the end of the day just say, okay, are we, are we making that core customer happy? And can we see, you know, meaningful improvement in their, you know, net promoter score, you know, can we see meaningful improvement in their usage? Um, And that drives a lot of our decision around it.
0: Yeah. I think that's really smart. I mean, I, the number of times I've had a conversation with my wife where I've been, moaning about parental control software and it doesn't do this or this this sucks or whatever. And she said to me, well, why don't you go and build something better? And and then I'm like, because I understand the technical complexity behind that, I was like, no, 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 you don't understand how complicated this is. Like I moan about it, but it's also a very (laughs) difficult problem to go and solve, you know. Um, now, Now, I want to talk about pricing. Now, you don't charge that much for uh, Freedom. I think it's about, what, 29 bucks a year for the product. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you have built this into a seven-figure business, um, which is awesome. And I guess like one question for you I have is, for people who are maybe listening to this, who've maybe been told, you know, you, you can't build a viable business if you're only charging you know, five bucks a month for a product. Uh, and you know, you're doing even less than that. Uh, what would you mm-hmm. say to them? Like how, how, how would you help them maybe think differently or see the opportunity differently?
1: Okay. So when we were thinking about how we were going to price our product and engage with customers, you know, we thought about, um, what, what is the market going to look like? So we were able to leverage the data that we had already and, and, you know, use that to make some good assumptions about what our funnel was going to look like. You know, our pricing for you know for for most every user that we have. You know, if you use Freedom for an hour, uh, a year. If you use it for two hours a year, three hours a year, you're you're coming out in positive. You know, if you get a couple hours of good work done with Freedom, um, you're you've you've come out positive. You've you've made money on the deal. Uh, so we know that. Yeah, you that know, you could possibly charge more, but you know, our goal is to bring lots of customers into the funnel, learn from them, um, support them, uh, you know, build a business with them. So uh, we wanted to keep our pricing uh, really accessible, um, and uh, you know, and to a degree, there's um, you know, it's it's also we're not doing things that are so technically complex that allow us, that require us to have large infrastructure costs. Like I said kind of before, all of our blocking is done on the computer. We're not passing stuff around on a network. Um, So, you know, we, we also kind of built the business in a way that kept some costs low uh, and, and we're able to pass that onto the, you know, that savings onto the customer. But, um, you know, we, we tested, we AB tested pricing. We did, um, a lot of experiments, sort of going into deciding what the final price were, uh, ran various um, economic models or econometric models to sort of see what we think that things are going to work out with, and um, and that's that's where we are now. So it was a lot of data, but I mean we're a, we're a pretty data intensive team, um, and, uh, and testing. And then of course just some gut. We're like, okay, does this, does this number look good? Okay. It looks good. All right. Okay, fine. (laughs) Let's go with that. Um, so there's always going to be some of that. And, and it may be completely viable, you know, if, if you know your customer, just, just roll with that, you know, and, and you've got to realize that like, as you mature your business, those price points are going to change, but, You know, you you really have to think about the price sort of from a fully loaded standpoint. Yeah, you may want to charge your customer hundred dollars a month, but you know, to get those first couple customers in, what would you be paying for customer acquisition anyway? And then, you know, if the price is going to bring them in, you just factor that discount in into your customer acquisition costs. And you know, so you know, we get people. I think they really do kind of think of pricing as precious, but. You know, the companies that I, that we, you know, mostly on the B2B side that we engage with and use, um, yeah, they change their pricing yearly or, um, you know, sometimes even more than that. Not that I like that, but if they're doing a good job, if they're kind of hitting their goals and if they have a good logic for, you know, why their pricing is going to increase, you can, you can bring that pricing up. Um, and there's also a lot to support that, you know, when you bring the pricing up and you've got a robust product, you're going to open yourself up to a new customer base as well. So. Um, you know, I think, uh, you think of pricing as a journey, not really as a, as a fixed thing when you get started.
0: All right. Uh, it's time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you seven questions. Just try to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Okay, Okay, let's go. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received?
1: Um, I think it was one of my advisors who said, these things take a lot of time. (laughs) Startups just take longer than you ever think. (laughs)
0: Uh, What book would you recommend to our audience and why?
1: I'm sure it's been recommended before, but um, I am going to recommend Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey
0: Moore. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur?
1: it's resilience. It's, you know, just being able to roll with the punches, keep level head and focus on the things that matter every single day. That's, that's what it is.
0: Okay. This is a tough question to ask you. (laughs) What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Well, let's, let's just say habit. Um, but it, (laughs) it really is, it is 45 minutes, uh, just offline away from uh, distractions, you do that a couple of times a day and you change your life. Um, and that's the, that was the first pattern of freedom. And that is still the pattern that works for me. Uh, it may work differently for other people, but that's, that's what I keep going back to. If I'm ever stuck, I just go offline for 45 minutes and work away and I get so much done.
0: What's uh, a new or interesting business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time.
1: Um, the idea that I just I never stop talking about is there's this one ice cream store up in my hometown of Albany, New York and I'm I'm always just interested in transplanting it down to where I am in North Carolina cuz it would just make a million dollars like it would just <laughs> so <laughs> so you know when I when I have all the free time to uh, start an ice cream store I think that's a natural thing once you've you know done a couple technology businesses get into retail <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah that's the That's the thing I dream about. I'm like, oh, if I was just running an ice cream store.
0: (laughs) Uh, What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: Um, I am a bike racer, uh, a, uh, a cyclist. Uh, and so that I, I have, I, <laughs> I, I watch the tour de France and, and dream about being in there. I would, that, that will never be the case. I'm way too old and past that point, but, uh, I'm, I uh, do, I'm a competitive cyclist and, uh, and I love doing that.
0: Awesome. And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work?
1: Um, it is my th- young boys and my wife.
0: Good answer. <laughs> All right. <Keep> me <laughs> yeah. So Fred, thank you. I, I really appreciate you. you making the time to to join me and, and share your story. Uh, wh- I, I love the story. I love how, um, you know, as we said, you've taken something that was just a, a personal point, you know, frustration for you and, and turned it into a business. I, I think it's also... Kind of funny that, you know, you're at, you know, you're a professor teaching courses on social media where these products, social media products are designed to do exactly the opposite in terms of getting people to, you know, spend more time and more frequently go in and get sucked into this stuff. And at the same time, you've built a business by offering a product which does the complete opposite. Uh, and you, and, you, and you're, you're improving people's lives as a result of taking away their functionality, right? That's awesome. Uh, it's, the, it's the truth. It is the truth. I wrote a whole
1: dissertation on Facebook and yeah, but you know, it, it, it is the circuitous and interesting journey of life.
0: Yeah. Now, if people want to check out Freedom for themselves, they can go to freedom.to. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, at f Stutzman, so f-s-t-u-t-z-m-a-n at Twitter, or you can drop me an email at fred at freedom.to.
0: Wonderful. Fred, been a pleasure. Wish you all the best. Well, Omer, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure. Cheers. There's a world where your CRM is powerful, easily configured, and deeply intuitive. Atio makes that a reality. Atio is built specifically for the next generation of companies. It syncs with your data sources, easily configures to their unique structures, and works for any go to market motion from self serve to sales led. Atio automatically enriches your contacts, syncs your emails and calendar, gives you powerful reports, and lets you quickly build Zapier style automations. The next generation of companies deserve more than an inflexible, one size fits all CRM. Join 11 labs, replicate, modal, and more, and scale your startup to the next level. Get your free account at attio.com. That's A-T-T-I-O dot com.